to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. When you're juggling a million things, work, kids, appointments, keeping up with the house, laundry, cooking, not to mention the people in your life and all their needs, you can end up exhausted, stressed, and longing for calm, or like me, I look forward to my next vacation. (laughs) The thing is, you have calm inside you. It just gets covered up with the thoughts, worry, and activity. And that's the good news, because it means you can bring out your calm even if you feel like you're too busy, says Sandy Fowler, a stress relief coach, divine sleep yoga nidra meditation guide, and co-founder of Mighty Parenting. She talks about raising teens and parenting young adults and discusses the most overlooked parenting strategy that she says is stress relief. And I can't wait to find out more about this. So Sandy, welcome to Momnificent. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Karen. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I am so happy to have you here. And where are you enjoying Momnificent from today? I am in Southwest Michigan, enjoying our latest little bit of snow. So everything's all white and pretty again. Oh, I love that. I always think if it's if it's going to be cold, it should be like snowy pretty out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cold and gray, no. Cold yeah. and rainy, no. I don't there do should that be either. nice white fluffy snow. <laughs> so what's the temperature? Is it like below? Oh, no. Today, oh. I think uh, we're right now we're running our highs in the high teens, It's okay. which is colder high for time. us. We don't do a lot of time below zero or anything like that. Okay. Most of our winter is in the 20s. Okay. And, and we pop oh. above the 30, you know, up into the 30s and above freezing, too, which annoys me because then my snow melts. I know. And I, I'm telling you, I do not like snow unless I'm like skiing in it. Otherwise, I really look forward to one day being in warm weather. <laughs> so, um, Sandy, what's one thing you've done recently that you may might have or haven't done for a while that just brings you joy? Mm, actually, it, it, semi-recently, and I'm going to be doing it again very soon, is going to see a musical. My oh, daughter is so fun. Yeah. My, my, one of my daughters is lit up by music and theater and she adores musicals and I enjoy them. And we finally, you know, with the pandemic, we couldn't go. And we finally went a little while ago to see one and we are, um, well, week or two from when we're recording, we are going to see the Lion King. And the fun story behind that is that's what we were going to do when the pandemic started. We got all dressed and we drove because we're in a small town. So it was, you know, 40 minute drive to get to the theater and find the parking space and hike our little butts down there to find a sign on the door that says due to COVID, the production has been canceled. Oh my gosh. And so now finally, two, two and a half years later, we are going to go see the Lion King. So very excited about that. Did you see it yet? Okay. I've seen I've seen it twice because it's that good. Oh, awesome. Oh my gosh. I think you're going to love it. I was blown away. Well, anytime I see a live show, I get inspired. I don't know. There's something about live acting and and performance that just 
I don't know, I get so inspired by those people. <laughs> but I think, oh my gosh, I think you're gonna so love it. That's so cool. All right, so Sandy, you're, you talk about stress relief being a parenting strategy, and I never really thought of it as a strategy. I'd love to know more about that. What do you mean by that? And, and can you explain that for us? Yeah, you know, as parents, we're always looking for the best way to parent, right? Whether we're actively searching it out or, but we always kind of have our radar tuned into that. And we hear about these different things that we need to do, want to do. And especially when I got into the world of talking to parents about being with teens and 20 somethings, it's true for any age, it becomes even more prevalent as our kids get older. Once they start hitting those tweens, teens, 20 something years, we, a lot of our parenting strategies are about listening and remaining calm and being present with them, right? Like blowing up and yelling at them does nothing except push them away from you. And that does not help you parent them better. Well, how are you going to do any of those things if you are a stressed out, crazed individual? If everything they say triggers you and sets off your emotional cascade, how are you going to parent well? So stress relief to me is the first parenting strategy. I mean, even when they're babies, I remember when my oldest was little and she would be screaming and crying and all of that. And my poor husband would just be pacing the floor and stressed out. I would kick him out of the house. I'm like, first you have to get out of this room because you are stressing her out more. And then, you know, he finally learned it. Like if she would wake up in the middle of the night, he would just leave, leave the house and go for a walk because his stress radiate, you know, it telegraphs to her and that would just upset her more. And all his stress was around just, I want to fix it. If there's something wrong with my child, I want to make it better, but not having those, those strategies, those techniques, those coping mechanisms for himself to be able to use in that moment when his stress starts to build up just makes the situation worse. And I think that's true in all of our parenting. If we think back to our worst parenting moments, you're probably not going to find one where you weren't stressed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so c- can you give us an example of like the stress relief strategy? Oh my gosh. Oh, well, stress relief strategies. The beautiful thing about stress relief strategies is they are innumerable. And it is everything from, yes, what we hear about, you know, wine and bubble baths and meeting with our girlfriends to the uh, you know, yoga and meditation and journaling for me in my world, stress relief is about designing your life in a way where you have the time to do what's important to you and you are taking care of yourself, which actually starts the the foundational strategies I teach are eat, drink, and sleep. Are you eating enough healthy foods, staying hydrated and sleeping enough for your body and your nervous system to even function properly? Mm. Because again, I mean, that's an easy one, right? We've all been tired. Yeah. And think about how your body actually doesn't function properly when you're tired. You get clumsy. They actually, they've done studies and they compare tired driving to drunk driving. Yes, that's right. Now that you say that, and that is like really eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't think about that as self-care or stress relief, right? So I'm teaching self-care and I'm like, let's just start at the very ground level and go, what are we doing here? And the thing that's also important about that is to give yourself credit for those things that you're doing for yourselves. Most of my clients are are doing a really good job in those things, or at least in two out of the three of those things. And yet they're sitting there and they're beating themselves up about what they're not doing and how they're stressed. 
And one stress relief track one stress relief strategy or technique is actually to pay attention to what's going well and what um, what you're pleased with and what's happening and what's good in your life. Mm-hmm. Because as human, brain, human beings, our brains have a reticular activation system. Fancy word for you get more of what you pay attention to. And so we are kind of designed to look for danger, to keep ourselves alive and safe. And so it's natural to look first at what's not working, what's bad, what don't I like? And yet when we take the time to go, Hey, yeah, wow. Look at, I ate all these really good foods instead of, Oh, I can't believe I had that ice cream. Well, really for the last three days, how many good and nutritious things did you eat? So quit beating yourself up about the ice cream. Enjoy it when you're going to have it and focus on the good things that you're doing and just keep choosing to do more good. Like Karen, Karen, have you ever bought a car? And then after you buy it, you look around, you're like, everybody has this car. (laughs) Everywhere I look is this car or this color. And I never saw it before. Reticular activation. That's all it is. (laughs) It's just the way your brain works. Mm So let's focus on what we're doing good, what's going right. And it, it does, it slowly makes you happier, which is a less stressful state to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're your better self. And you're right, it's so simple. Eat, rest. What was the other one? Eat. Drink. <laughs> Drea. Eat, sleep, and drink. <laughs> it's like so simple, but it's so true. Like when I haven't eaten or I miss a meal or I'm running around school and I haven't you know, eaten, my, I start, I might get a headache. I might, my stomach is, you know, starts getting upset and you're, and you get, I get crabby. Like, so you're right. It's like those basic things, just going back to the basics. But I also love how you're like, no, take notice of what you are doing and celebrate that um, and feel good about it. And you're right. Cause we tend to just look at everything we're not doing or what we want, you know, want more of, or we should be doing differently. Yeah. And so, that's natural. Again, don't beat yourself up over that because that's biology. Yeah, that's so good. It's something you can you can understand that biology and make it work for you instead of against you. Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. So good. So what if we feel like I'm too busy to add stress relief activities to my plate? Because I know you hear it. I've heard it. Like, what do you say to that? You probably are. I mean, to sit there and go, oh, I need to do a bunch of things to relieve my stress. You, If you're stressed, you probably are too busy to add things to your plate. So let's not add things to your plate. The things we've talked about so far, none of those add anything to your plate. You're going to be eating anyway. So just try to make slightly healthier choices if you feel you're not making the healthiest choices. You're probably drinking something if you, that you talked about getting headaches in college. I had so many headaches. My now husband, then boyfriend, looked at me and said, do you ever drink anything besides Pepsi? Maybe if you drank water, you wouldn't have a headache. You know, so instead of grabbing the Pepsi, 
do every other one is a water. I, you know, do some small shifts that don't actually take more time. Think the way you're thinking about things is enormous. It is a huge change that you can make anywhere from just paying more attention to the good things in your life. Like we were talking about just going, Hey, these are things that I'm doing that are good to something simple, like a gratitude practice, which is actually, it's been studied and it has been shown that doing a gratitude practice helps your stress levels. And usually people talk about, you got to do a journal. You got to write things down. Well, that is actually more time. Now you might feel like, Oh, I have five minutes to do this. I've never done a written gratitude practice and I've used it a lot. It was actually one of the early things I did when I was driving my children around every place. Right. I, as I was driving, every time I had a stoplight or a stop sign, I would just name something I was grateful for. And if it was a stoplight, if I wasn't talking to the kids or doing something else, I would do what I call a gratitude cascade. I would just, for me, nature's big and I love trees. I don't know what it is about them, but I would just, so I'd look at a tree and I'd just start going, I am so grateful for this tree. Wow. Look at those amazing, vibrant green colors. And in the summer, I'm like, it's so much shade. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love sitting under the tree. It's so cooling. Like, thank you tree for making the shade and cooling the air for me. And you just think about things like that. And those little shifts don't take any time. They take no time at all. And if you have kids who are in your face, because that's a thing, right? We all know that. And then maybe invite them into it. Go, you know, I was just kind of thinking about some of the things I'm grateful for. What, what kinds of things are you grateful for? Like, I'm really grateful for you. You're amazing. You're so much fun. Being with you lights me up. I love the way you give hugs. Your hugs make me feel so good. That's a gratitude practice. And it's double duty because it's for you and them. And you're modeling it and you're encouraging them to learn that technique. I love that. Is there anything else you would say to someone to start them on this stress relief, like strategy process? I love starting with gratitude is a beautiful way to start. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? So, well, actually, if anyone wants to get a little more info on this, I do have a free video on my website that you can grab that gives you two stress relief strategies that take no time. And you can take that and then build it out. Don't go, I have to do 17 different things. Start doing something that you feel like if you start with gratitude and you're like, yeah, you know, like I I like this gratitude cascade, this thing of doing it at every stoplight, like Sandy was talking about, like that does make me feel good. Then deepen that practice. We have a tendency to go, oh, I have to do more things. I have to do something else. I have to add something else in. So that's one thing is, you know, just take your, whatever things you try, try them out, see how they feel because you might hate gratitude practice that might not work for you. In that case, you know, look at something else. Um, And there are myriad things you can do. Oh my gosh. You know, I have literally, I have a sheet that I share with people that has like, you know, 58 different things that are stress relieving activities that you don't think about, like, you know, starting with eat, drink, and sleep. But so getting started, try something. If it makes you feel better, deepen that practice. If it doesn't try something else. Yeah. But the other thing I just want to mention briefly, and I know we can't go into huge detail on this right now is think about what causes you stress. 
don't sit there and think about it and ponder it day after day after day after day. Like, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. I hate this. It's awful. Remember, we want to focus on the good side of things. So think about it to figure out what causes your stress and then just go, hmm, how can I make this a more harmonious activity in my life? Like, is this something I should let go of? Is this not healthy, not good for me? Is there another way I can do this? Can I let somebody else do this? Hmm. And, and I know this is sort of a silly example, but our lives are full of silly examples. The dishwasher in the kitchen, in our house, I am a use it, deal with it, clean it up. Like I clean as I cook, right? I'm a use it, clean oh it, get it out my of the husband, way kind of a gal. My husband would love you. He's trying to teach me to do that for 11 years. It's hysterical. Good. This is awesome. You'd probably drive with my husband. He's a, yeah, you know, you, you just let things pile up until you can't stand it. And then you deal with it. And neither one of those is right nor wrong. Right. And there's something for him about emptying a dishwasher that stops him in his tracks. So our kitchen can be totally trashed because of course the dishwasher ran, it has clean dishes in it. Therefore all the dirty dishes are stacking up. And with four of us living in the house, and the dog, of course, his dishes too, right? There's just this pile of dishes. And I walk in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, there's stuff everywhere. And he's like, oh, there's the dishwasher has to be emptied. I'm like, I can empty a dishwasher. I have timed this. I can do this in three minutes. And why have I timed it? Because I'm waiting for something in the microwave, right? Like my tea is reheating in the microwave for the 12th time today. By the time it's hot, I can have the dishwasher emptied. No brainer for me. For him, it's super stressful. So. In our world, you know, we talked about, I'm like, okay, I'll take care of emptying the dishwasher. I will do it as soon as I can after it's emptied. And then, you know, he deals with getting the dirty dishes back in it. It lowered both our stress levels Yeah, because he went, look, I'll outsource emptying the dishwasher to you. And I outsourced putting all those crazy dirty dishes, soaking them and getting them into the dishwasher to him. Mm -hmm. It didn't take more time. We had one discussion and went, really, you can't stand that? Like, you know, he'll let the clean dishes sit there for two days, letting all the dirty stuff build up. And I'm like, well, this is a no brainer. So yeah. it, it's not always about adding something in. Sometimes it's about taking something out, outsourcing it, or just having a conversation mm -hmm. to find out that, oh, there's a different way to do this or a different way to think about it. And I love actually how you timed it because it's so interesting. Sometimes we think something takes so long, but if you actually timed it and you know it's like three minutes or even seven minutes, it's like, it's not that big of a deal where before it's like, oh my gosh, it's just that one more thing. And so that's so funny you said that because I've totally done that with, with some things and that really helped me. I'm like, no, wait, I, I can do that because I have that time Yes. because I know the time, not just, oh my gosh, I, that I, you know, I, I need to do that. So what are some of the common mistakes that parents might make when planning their time? Yeah. So the biggest mistake that everybody makes in planning our time, well, almost everybody, other than people who are conscious of it and have chosen to really, you know, dig into this is we sit down and well, with two things. One, we either sit down with a calendar and we go, okay, these are my meetings and things I have to be at. Or we sit down with a to-do list and we write down all these things we need to do with no concept of when they're going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at the calendar, we're definitely not paying attention to everyday kinds of things that need to be done. We do more of that with a to-do list. And in neither case do we ever take into account, I need this much time to drive. 
I have to drive the kids to school from school or I have to drive to work from work. We we're going to, you know, th we're going to this event. We have this, this sporting game. We have this recital. We have this practice. You don't, you just write down practice on the to-do list or you write down the time of the practice on your calendar, but you didn't look at drive time, prep time. Mm. You didn't write down, I need to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You probably didn't write down, I need to prepare dinner or even figure out what we're going to eat for dinner. Right. I'm going to shower and get dressed. We don't think about those things. That's one big mistake. Mm. The other big mistake we make is we let all of the minutia of life go into our calendar first, instead of going, okay, what are the most important things to me in my life? And how am I taking care of those today? Because those are the things that keep you awake at night. Mm. You can be running like crazy and getting all kinds of things done during the day. And you can even finish everything on your to-do list and on your calendar and still go to bed at night and be stressed out and not able to sleep and not feeling good about your life. And you may not even know why. And usually it's because you didn't take care of what was most important to you and in the way you wanted to do it. That's really good. So prioritize, which was going to segue into the next question. How do our priorities impact our stress levels? So one is when we're not taking care of them. That's one way. The second way is when we're taking care of them, but we're not taking care of them in the way that we want to. And I know that sounds a little weird. So we're moms. If I ask you to list your top three priorities, your kids are going to be in there. I have not yet a mother met a mother whose kids are not somewhere in the top three priorities of her life. However, what does that mean? So beyond, hey, my kids are my top priority. Okay, great. How do you show that? What is important to you about that? And that, going through that system of quantifying what it means to take care of your kids can change everything. So when I first did this for myself, my kids were young and... <laughs> I discovered that one of the things that was really important to me was picking, taking them to school to and from mostly the from, I mean, I took them to school too, but picking them up after school turned out to be a really important connection point for us. That is not true for everybody. I've met lots of parents who are like, my kids get in the car after school and they're so wiped out that I just have to give them time that you know, we can't have a decent conversation. They just need quiet or they need to run around and yell or whatever. For us, this was a connection point. So when I discovered that, well, I mean, I knew I hated making lunches and you know, there are all these Pinterest boards and all these moms doing these amazing things to show their kids that they love them. You know, notes in the lunches and food on shish kebab skewers and cut out fruit cut into cute little shapes and all the things, right? All those things are happening. But at first, when I saw that, it made me feel guilty and that stressed me out. Then after I had figured out my priorities of the heart and gone, okay, so I take care of my kids by you know, bedtime routines. We spend time talking and reading and doing all those things that we connect after school. 
I am you know, teaching them to do things that I think are important. I, I just, I listed out and I literally wrote down, how do I take care of my kids? Is it about working and making the money? Is it about what I'm modeling for them? Is it about doing the laundry? Or like I said, picking them up from school. Once you know what that is, then number one, it makes it much easier to take care of it because it ends up on the to-do list or the calendar because you can go, okay, pick the kids up from school or, you know, spend time with them or, oh, on the to-do list, make sure that I, you know, invite Jane to help me with the budgeting today because we're working on that. You can make sure those things happen. On the flip side of that, you can also let go of the guilt because it didn't matter that I didn't make my kids amazing lunches because I knew how I was showing them I loved them. So I just went, I make my kids make their own lunches and that's okay. And I didn't feel guilty about it anymore. I'm like, I'm teaching them a skill. That's I'm true. teaching them time management. I'm teaching them you know, just different things. Mm-hmm. And it's a different way of showing love. Those Pinterest moms are definitely showing their kids. Hey, every time the kid opens the lunch, it's like, oh, mom was thinking about me. Mom loves me. That's great. My kids might grumble about their lunch, but they know that when I sit down with them at after school or when I sit, you know, sit with them at night, they know then that I love them. I love that because, and that's not the first not the first time that I've heard a parent say that they were looking on Pinterest and literally didn't feel like a good mom. It's so hard not to. There's like 101 things that people are doing with and for their kids. And then it's funny because they, they were like, uh, do they even work? Like, how can you even do that unless that was your full-time job? Which which is so true, but it, it gives that perception that maybe I'm, I'm not. So I love how you said like, find out what it is important to you and then when you give it that time, you will feel good because you've recognized that, not because someone else told you what should or shouldn't be the thing that that might be appealing. No, what you are, it is individual. And, I, and this is the second time you've brought that up. Here's a bunch of ideas, but find out what works for you. Not all of that might work for you, but yet so often we look at all those things and we think, oh, I should be doing all of that, whether it's prioritizing what you do with your kids or your, your own self-care. And I, I just love the beauty and the simplicity into it's okay and find out what works for you. Yeah. And I love and that you put that. it that way, Karen, because yeah, you, you know, you look at social media, oh my goodness, we're not even going to really go there, except that even before social media, moms were comparing ourselves to other moms. Right. You'd look out the window in the morning and see the neighbor getting in the car in her suit with her briefcase and all of her kids, you know, nicely dressed with their backpacks, all neat and ready for school. And you're standing there in your robe with your hair sticking out and peanut butter and jelly handprints on your butt and feeling like a failure. But you have no idea what went into their family doing it. Maybe dad gets the kids ready for school. Maybe they have help. Maybe that house is a nightmare inside. You know, maybe there are peanut butter and jelly handprints all over the kitchen. Like you have no idea what's going on there. Or maybe they have a great morning routine, but you have a great evening routine or they just have different things that are important to them. You know, it's, we look at one little aspect of somebody else's life and then compare our whole life to that one thing. Like, oh my gosh, they do this one thing. They're amazing. Well, something that you do is amazing too. Yeah. And that's what I love your highlighting the spotlight on. So how are priorities of the heart, and you touched on this a little, different from naming our top priorities and focusing on those as we make our to-do list each day? Yeah. So that was actually, that's something I teach is priorities of the heart. When I work with clients, you know, we work on um, three areas in stress relief. We work on our time, our thoughts, and our self-care. And when we work on time, 
we, we work on priorities of the heart. There is time management, yes, but that's not the key thing. The key thing is your heart. It's what's important to you. And that is sitting down and quantifying what do my top priorities mean to me? And then, as I said before, once you know what they are, then they get onto, you can put that on the to-do list. You can put that on the calendar. And as you're going through your day or as you're planning your day or at the end of a day, you can look at it and go, okay, yeah, I did these things. Like you have something in, in to, you have something that you can sort of check off, whether that's mentally or physically or in your heart. I'm not talking about making some rigid plan. I'm just saying a way of going, Hey, this is important to me. You know, I talked about being awake at night and that's a common problem for moms is lying in bed at night. Your to-do list is running through your head, all the things you didn't get done. And that is an issue. But the part that really tears our hearts out as moms is what we don't really comprehend. And that is when we're not meeting our priorities of the heart. Mm. And that's where I was many, many moons ago. My children are in their twenties now, and this is back when they were very young elementary school, preschool, that I started doing this work for myself before I did it for anybody else or with anybody else. And that's what happened is, you know, I had all these things I was getting done and I sat down and I did the time management things and I, you know, honed it down a little bit. And even then though, I would still lie in bed at night. It's like, I got all this stuff done, but I still didn't feel good. And that's because some of the stuff that needed to be done, I wasn't even fully aware of it. Wow. So you talk about how self-care is an essential part of this stress relief, yet most moms will tell you they don't have time for it. And what do you say to that? I hear you. I hear you. And two pieces to that, as we've talked about with stress relief, not all self-care takes more time. The things that we talked about for stress relief are self-care. Anything you do to take care of yourself is self-care. So starting again with eat, drink, and sleep. And then moving on to, okay, so eat, drink, and sleep. And then like, ask yourself, what fills me up? And you don't have to sit in a room with a journal and do this. You can ponder this for two minutes at a time for weeks as you're driving or cooking or whatever, you know, while you're doing something else that doesn't require your mind, please don't try to think about this while you're trying to do something that requires your mind, you know, writing emails or, or whatever. But, you know, when you're cleaning your house or whatever, your mind isn't occupied, you can ponder that and go, you know, what fills me up? What makes me happy? And part of that's going to link back to your priorities of the heart. But one of those priorities should be you. And if it's not you, you've heard it other places many times, I'm sure that as a mom, you need to fill yourself up. So you have something to give to your family. It goes back to the whole, put your oxygen mask on first. Right. And people make that passing comment, but have you ever sat back Karen and actually run through that scenario in your mind? Like think through it. If I'm sitting there with my child and the oxygen masks drop and I reach over and grab it to, to put it on them, but I pass out before I get it on the child. Now what? You're no help at all. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, now both it's tragedy because it's both of you. If I had grabbed that and put it on myself first, then I would have been able to put it on my child and we'd both be fine. Yeah. 
So self-care, you know, people talk about it being selfish. People start the whole self-care is not selfish. It's, it's just part of life. It's part of being human. It's about tending to your needs, your, your basic needs, your, your physical, your emotional, your spiritual needs. And that's going to encompass your family and your children. It's going to, it's going to roll around to what are my priorities of the heart? Because taking care of those is going to fill you up. It's going to make you feel good. So it's all going to tie in together. It's not like doing self-care means you're not going to take care of your children or your, your partner, your spouse, your friends, your extended family. I mean, whatever's important to you, you're going to take care of as part of your self-care. So it's just, it goes beyond, like, like I said, self-care is not just bubble baths and that's great self-care. Don't get me wrong. I, I love a good bath time and I have over the years learned when and how to utilize that and how to get my family involved in it. But it starts with things that don't need time. Mm-hmm. I think that's and important. And then looking at your time and what you're spending it on, which is a natural piece of self-care, means you could actually find out you have more time because a lot of what you're doing isn't actually part of your priorities. That's what I find with most of my clients is that as we start working through things, there's a lot that they can let go of and a lot that can get streamlined. So what they actually have is more time. Yeah. And that's so true because self-care sometimes I know for me in my mind, I think it's like this thing that takes so much time, but then as, as you break it down into like simple little things that you could do in a few minutes or in just with it in, in the next hour or in an hour or two, it helps me like realize, oh, it's, it's kind of simpler and, and more realistic than maybe I'm making it in my mind up to be. Yeah. You know, if you're, I don't know if you're a coffee drinker, I'm a tea drinker. So whether it's the morning, the afternoon, whatever, you know, if you're going to have that cup of whatever yummy drink, take that two or three minutes right there and just sit or stand. I love to sit in the rocking chair. Like I'll turn the chair and look out the window and just sit there with my tea. And it's only for a couple minutes, but don't try to go through the to-do list. Don't just worry about things. Don't be thinking through things just sit and be. And if you're going to think about something, go to your senses. What does this smell like? What does this feel like? You know, oh, it goes back to the gratitude too, right? Just, I love my coffee or I love my tea. I'm so grateful for this. I am so grateful for these two minutes to myself. It's so peaceful. It's so nice. Or it's so noisy and rambunctious. I love hearing the kids play in the other room. I love hearing them interact with each other. You know, just, just taking that though, or when you're eating, which most moms don't get to eat by themselves often. But if you do, again, instead of trying to do something else, instead of trying to multitask or instead of escaping. And for me, I used to love to read when I was eating. What I hated changing, but has been amazing for me is if I'm eating alone to focus on what I'm doing to just focus on that food. It is a mindfulness activity. And and I hesitate to use the word mindfulness because it's such a buzzword now, but all mindfulness means is paying attention to what you're doing. And again, like I said, kind of go back to those senses. What does this food smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like in my mouth? Or I sit at the kitchen table and I get a view out the window. I'm looking out the window and just enjoying that view and just being there, just breathing and being. And it actually takes me less time to eat 
Therefore, whatever else I was trying to do while I was taking a bite of food and then running around and taking another bite of food and running around, I can still get both done. Mm. But now I'm calm and I'm peaceful. And I have those few moments to nurture myself, to do that, that little tiny bit of self-care. And that may not be your thing. Like I said, there are lots of things to do, but experiment with where can I find a couple minutes? You know, you pulled that out. I only need a couple minutes here and a couple minutes there. It doesn't have to be a a massage or a weekend retreat or a day day at the spa. Yes, those are great. And I do recommend trying to work periodically, work something bigger into your life. But day to day, it's two minutes here and it's two minutes there. Yeah. So Sandy, what, what are the top things you're seeing parents struggling with right now? And then could you just leave us with like three simple steps that we can just walk away with? I love everything that you've said so far, and yet maybe someone's listening and then whatever you can give us, just like one, two, three, remember this, and that'll help us. Because there's a lot, right? I mean, we talked about a lot. It all kind of comes together, but what are parents struggling with? Mostly what I hear parents struggling with is letting their kids just be who they are. You know, we have, we have our ideas and our thoughts and our dreams for our kids. We have fears around what if they don't, what if, you know, we just want them to be happy and healthy and decent, good citizens. Right. Right. And we get all tied up in these other things and that creates stress. So that's one thing is just having a hard time of just going with the flow of who their child is and how they're going to be in the world. That's a, that's a big stressor that I see for parents. Um, In conjunction with that is communicating, communicating well with their kids. This was the first thing that I did at Mighty Parenting is I created a little email series to help parents learn to communicate with their teens. And spoiler alert, if I don't know if we have any overlap in listeners, but if you've ever subscribed to that series, you know that the first email just says, stop talking. Because that's what we think of as communication. We think about how we are communicating something. And the first thing we need to communicate to our kids is I'm here and I'm listening to you. And the way we communicate that is not by telling them, it's by actually doing it. So listening to them and then supporting them goes back to the first one, right? Having a hard time just letting the kids be who they are. Not, not because we don't want them to, but because we're so tied up in our stories that we don't always see that our child has their own ideas, their own path, their own personality, that they aren't necessarily going to fit that story. Even we, even though we love them and we appreciate all those things about them, we still try to jam them into the box we had planned out for them. Yeah. So really that, that communicating, that listening to them, seeing, you know, what they're saying to us and then accepting and, and being all right with that. And then the third thing, which is what we've been talking about this whole time is taking care of themselves, Mm. doing the self-care doing stress relieving activities, which are really hand in hand, pretty much the same thing, but doing that, which allows you to be that parent you want to be instead of the screaming, yelling, crying, stressed out, fearful parent, doing these things helps you to be in a calm state, which when I talk about that, I'm talking about physiologically. I don't want to get into a bunch of neuroscience, but 
the bottom line is that when we do those stress relief and self-care activities that we talked about, we're changing our physiology and we're changing our body, which is what allows us to be calm and present instead of having our, our brain on high alert, looking for danger, we're in a calm and relaxed and chilled out state. And that allows us to stay in touch with the thinking part of our brain instead of going back into that whole reptilian survival fight or flight mode. And again, like I said, if you think back to your worst parenting moments, you were in, you were in fight or flight. You were just trying to get rid of the danger, whatever it was that your brain told you you were afraid of in that moment and your best parenting moments, you were probably pretty chill and pretty calm. So it all ties in together. And how do we get there? Um, okay. So three things to help you get there. Well, first of all, I believe that you can reduce your stress and you can take care of yourself. We've talked about that multiple times today. I'm too busy. I don't have, that's the biggest one, right? But it also goes into, well, my life is different. My situation is different. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills. I tried this before. It didn't work. Whatever your story is, just consider that you could reduce your stress. You could take care of yourself. What might that look like? And then believe that you can do that. Yeah, you might need to do something different than what you've been doing. But I'm telling you, time is not an issue. And if you did stuff that didn't work, then just try something else or possibly just learn. Because I've done things that I'm like, this does not work. And some of the things that I said didn't work for me before that probably did. Oh my gosh, I did like 13 years ago. I'm doing them now and they're amazing, but I understand it differently. I learned more. So believe and The second thing, which is a big part of what I teach as well, is to increase your awareness. Start noticing what stress feels like in your body, in your emotions, in your behaviors. When you're stressed, what do you feel like? What do you do? What, when I say feel, we have both the body side, right? And the emotion side of that. Like, what does that feel like? And as you start noticing that, then you can start going, oh, Okay. So these are situations or people or activities like these, this is what stresses me out. And then over time, as you keep building that awareness, you start to, it's kind of like being on a, a, being a detective, you start to figure out what you can change in your life to filter stress out before it even gets to you. And you can start to realize, um, what's really stressing you out. So back, oh my goodness, I don't even know how many years ago this was. I discovered that every time I was under the gun and under huge pressure, time pressure, like when I had no time, I'm like, my family got really difficult. Everybody's short and snippy. They're not helpful. It just, it it was really unpleasant. And I'm looking around going, I am trying to hold this house together. I am working full time. What is wrong with you people? I need a little bit of extra help and support. Why can you not do it? This is all just in my head. I'm not saying this to them like that, but this is what's in my head, right? And so then I became aware of, I'm like, oh, wait. So every time I'm time stressed, this is what happens. Mm. So I noticed that. And then I noticed something else and I noticed something else and I noticed something else. And so over time, what I finally figured out was, oh, 
when I'm time stressed, I start to feel this way and my behavior changes. You know, it's one of the things I said to become aware of is your behavior, right? So when I'm stressed, I behave differently. And what I know now is my family would see that change in my behavior and that would send their brain off going, oh, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Mom's not herself. Something's wrong because mom's not behaving like mom. And so they would get stressed and then they would behave differently. And that's coming back at me. And then we're going back and forth, back and forth and just increasing all those stress levels by building awareness around that. What happened was over time, I started realizing Okay, so here is where I see my family being this, behaving like this and throwing that back at me. Oh, but when they behave that way, this is how I feel. So then I started to notice, wait, I'm starting to feel this way. And I could change my world at that point. And then I kept moving that further and further forward to the point that now they're never impacted. Very rarely is my family impacted by my time stress because I can realize it so early in the process. But first I had to realize that it was happening and then build that awareness. So Mm -hmm. believe, believe, believe you can reduce your stress. You can filter crap out before it ever gets to you. And you can become a person who has the ability to handle what comes through with grace. So believe that because I know you can do it. Two is start building your awareness just start noticing. We talked about, you know, trying some techniques. What does that feel like? Become aware when I'm stressed. What does it feel like when I'm calm? What does that feel like? And the the third one is, um, to do more of what calms you and less of what stresses you out, Mm. which is really simple in, in theory. And again, as you create awareness, you start going, Oh, this stresses me out. Oh, this is nice and calming. Well, okay. Let's do less of the stress and more of the calm. So like that believe, become aware and then choose. Wow. Sandy, thank you so much. This has been a really special episode and I just appreciate you taking the time to share with us your wisdom, your advice, your experiences over the years. And, um, I know it's encouraged me and inspired me and, uh, believe aware and what was the last one choose choose Choose. to do more of what calms you and less of what stresses you sandy how can someone find and follow you so the easiest thing is just go to sandyfowler.com that's sandy with a y and there you have access to mighty parenting to my two ways to relieve stress without spending any more time as well as anything else that you'd be interested in it has links to my social media and whatever you might be looking for. That is so good. I love that. Okay. I'm going to practice that this week. And then as I practice it, it'll, it'll, it'll become a habit. It'll become of what I do and, and how I, how I do things. So every little piece that you shared was such a nugget of a special, special truth. So again, thank you so much for your time and I just wish you all the best. Well, and thank you so much, Karen, for having me on the show. I enjoyed this conversation so much and I appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And I love that I'm able to play a small part in that. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.